Has he put another 50 cents back in the uh, back of the meter to allow us to go live? I think he has. Hello, everyone. Welcome to myself, Max McGillibree from Beanstalk Global. We are with some very interesting experts from the UK horticultural sector today whilst we debate um, this, the, the topic being the update on the UK horticultural trade delegation to New Zealand horticulture in March 2020. So let's run around everyone and uh, get an understanding as to who we've got on. Ali, you go first. Could you introduce yourself and who you represent, please? Yeah, hi, Max. I'm Ali Kappa. I'm a farmer and grower on the Herefordshire Worcestershire borders, growing apples and hops. I also chair um, the NFU's Horticulture and Potatoes Board and British Apples and Pears. Ali, thank you very much. Chris, over to you. Who are you and who are you representing? Uh, thank you, Max. Uh, Chris Moncrief. Uh, I'm Head of Horticultural Relations for the Royal Horticultural Society, so just fresh out of Chelsea. I get the hardest jobs in the world, I, I guess, on that part. Uh, previously, Production Horticulturist, I was Director of Production for the Vitacrest Group uh, down in Sussex. I've, I've got that. How can I forget about some, your involvement with the, with the Vice Cash Group? So that's a really interesting mix, Chris, coming from um, industry into the amazing um, uh, uh, trade, trade body um, organisation that's the RHS. Uh, do, I've got to ask you, Chris, do, do you love the RHS? Would you think you'll come back into the supply side or are you, for, are, are you with the RHS for, for, for ever and a day? I think both, both sides are trying to claim that I've gone to the dark side. I think that's, the, that's one of the key messages I'm getting from both. I, I've never ruled anything out about going back. So, uh, uh, yeah, definitely an option. But at the moment, the RHS is real fun. Uh, as I say, walking around uh, doing sort of shows in Chelsea at five o'clock in the morning when nobody else is there. It's kind uh, of magical. Well. Yeah. Very privileged. And uh, Mr Ward, over to you, please. Good morning, Max. Yeah, it's Jack Ward, um, Chief Executive of the British Growers Association. Excellent. And, and Jack, I have to give you congratulations uh, because um, you're, you're fantastic on the lobbying basis for British growers and the groups that you, that you represent, that you managed to get a, um, uh, an article or got quoted in, in the Times. But I don't know if you got it, if you if you saw it, that uh, the Daily Mail uh, then went and uh, plagiarised that article. So yet again, you've been quoted in the Daily Mail. Jack, how do you feel about that? I'm, I'm, I'm astounded. I, I, I have no sort of preference over Daily Mail or whoever. Um, if they're prepared to print my words of wisdom, then good on them. Yeah, but in all, all seriousness, it was great to have um, that strong uh, lobbying, uh, that, that strong articulation of uh, the issues that we're, we're seeing. We're just briefly talking about it in our green room before we went live, to have people like, like Jack, like Ali, like Chris, representing the horticultural sector, because by crikey, do we, do we need it? But come on, let's, um, let's major on um, this broadcast topic today. Um, I'm just going to um, read out some background information that Jack's very kindly um, sent to me. It, it's this slight, slightly long, but I I want to read it out, especially for those on the um, on the podcast, because it's it is important as to what we're looking to achieve with this broadcast. So let me go for it. As the UK leaves the EU and takes back control of its agricultural policy, new opportunities and new possibilities open up for UK horticulture. The future direction of travel for the sector is laid down in the government's new Ag Act. Historically, horticulture has fallen outside main support mechanisms within the CAP. Over the past 30 years, the area devoted to fruit and veg production in the UK has declined by 30%, but improvements in productivity have resulted in a 36% volume increase in the production of fruit and vegetables. Over the same period, there's been a substantial increase in imported fruit and veg, as we all know. The growing interest in diet and health is focusing attention on eating fresh, unprocessed food and the vital role of fruit and veg in the diet. 
The UK started to see an upturn in the consumption of fruit and vegetables, and even more so in the back of the pandemic. And if the nation was to meet the daily eat well recommendations for fruit and veg, it would massively increase demand. With the UK's excellent maritime climate, perfect for growing, it makes sense to produce as many fruit and vegetables for UK consumers. UK horticulture stands at the edge of a major opportunity to, to deliver not just a continuous supply of high quality, high provenance fruit and veg, but also play a major part in improving this overall health of the nation. The big challenge is how. Part of the UK's exit strategy from the EU is the negotiation of free trade agreements and an FTA with New Zealand is seen as a priority for the UK government. The New Zealand horticultural industry has many parallels with the UK industry. It is broadly similar in size and turnover, but services a large export market in contrast to the UK industry, which is mainly focused on the domestic market. In March 2020, a delegation of UK industry representatives visited New Zealand to explore the New Zealand horticultural sector to understand its challenges and its opportunities, to examine what could be learned, what new ideas could be adopted, and to explore what new relationships might be possible between our two nations. Each member of the delegation traveled with a different objective. Ali, um, you uh, went on the basis of how to grow the sector, export markets, opportunities, policy issues, and solutions, catalysts for change. Jack, um, you went to look at how to bring value and profitability back to gross businesses. Chris, how to attract, educate, train, develop, and retain key staff. And Lucy Jackson, New Zealand lead in global trade negotiations at DEFRA, she, she attended to look to examine and understand the horticultural sector in more depth. An executive summary of the trip and associated findings has been compiled in collaboration between the uh, AHDB, British Growers, NFU, and the Royal Horticulture Society, and reports on findings from a DEFRA-led trade delegation to New Zealand in 2020. There are several similarities between the UK and New Zealand fresh produce industries and some significant differences. Here ends the, uh, the, the, the message. So if, if I've, if I've summar summarised that um, correctly, let, let's just start start again. Jack, how did this trip come about? What, well, what, was the, what was the catalyst for it? Back in 2000, I think it was 2019, I got an approach um, from DEFRA saying that they were keen to have a look at the fresh produce industry. I think they, like us, recognise their opportunities. And as you mentioned in your introduction, um, horticulture has fared pretty badly under the CAP. We've now got a clean sheet of paper with the Agriculture Act. The big question is, what do we put onto that clean sheet of paper? And one way of coming to that answer is to actually look at other successful horticultural economies and see what we can bring back. And so um, we were approached as a team um, and asked for our thoughts. What might we want to go and have a look at? Who might we want to go and see? Um, and bit by bit, um, eventually it was pulled together um, with a lot of help from um, the staff in DEFRA uh, and a lot of help from um, the Foreign Office and the guys based in New Zealand. Uh, and in March, I mean, literally days before lockdown, wow. um, we headed out to New Zealand and were able to go and um, see a really good cross section of their industry talk to everybody that's involved with their industry, you know, see the best examples of what they do, um, and then bring those ideas back and give them some thought and then explore how they might be applied here in the UK. Thank you. And Ali, was it a natural choice, do you think, for everyone to initially look at New Zealand um, on, on the basis that their trade agreement's been set up with, the, with, with other countries? What, what's, what's New Zealand the, the go-to country on this basis? 
not necessarily actually, Max. So I, I too was asked what my view was in terms of where we should go, what we should look at. And um, my response was, well, if you want to look at um, a, a producer, um, a, a country where there is excellent export, excellent marketing understanding, then we should go yeah. to New Zealand. Um, but actually, if you want to go and look at a market that could be a market for the UK, then we should go to China. It's probably lucky for us that the government chose to go to New Zealand and not China, because our trip would definitely have been cancelled if China had been chosen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at the stage, at those early stages, um, you know, there's any number of places we could have gone to look at um, to really bring back different types of learnings. Um, but for me, New Zealand stand out because they are excellent marketeers and they are very, very good exporters. And clearly that resonates with UK government who um, are very, you know, very focused on exporting and trading um, with other countries around the world post-Brexit. Ali, th thank you. Um, Chris, in some ways, it's uh, it's lucky that you did go to China because at worst case, you would have been locked down and you would have you would still be there, wouldn't you, um, 80 months on. And I always think of, um, there's an example of Peru. Um, Peru was in dire economic straits some uh, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, there's the new government that came in and they realized that their answer to economic salvation was actually fresh produce. And so they started to, to invest inwardly and also got external investors to come in to uh, plant uh, large scale, very professional um, avocado um, and plant, plants, uh, plantations. And that saved the Peruvian um, economy because of the, um, the, the, the export trade. Um, Chris, did you, did, there's a similar story, I believe, with, um, with, with New Zealand, that they had a light bulb moment, um, and I have, have to go and look on Google, 10, 20 years ago, when they realised that their, their route to economic gain was on, on the export side. So, so, Chris, when you went out there, was that obvious obvious to you? Were, were, were they welcoming um, to you and the, and the rest of the delegation as to the respect of um, uh, sharing that information with you? What do you think, Chris? I think we were amazed by how we were welcomed, to be honest, Max. I think we were all blown away by the... Uh, well, the hospitality that was shown to us by all, uh, generally by everybody in New Zealand, it was it was a fascinating tour to be able to undertake, and particularly for me to see other aspects of horticulture that I hadn't seen in the past. Um, their industry obviously focused on export, massively focused on export because of the low sort of population uh, compared to the UK, and that, that was one of the key drivers that we, we got to see when we were out there, how, how that lower population and therefore lower domestic market meant that they'd had to target exports and how they'd really as an industry got so massively behind that. I think what we also were able to see was we were able to visit different parts of the industry right away from government who made us very welcome at the very highest levels. That was really impressive to sit down with their, with their primary industry uh, department, but also right down at the base level with growers who were literally fighting to keep the apples coming off their trees to actually spend time with those people and hear their difficulties. So we saw the whole spectrum uh, right from the base, right from the production, right through to the, the government who uh, created the sort of uh, the, the arrangements and things that these people worked under. Chris, well, well done. If there's one thing I've learned over the last um, 18 months and have, have um, run 160 plus broadcasts on a UK and international basis, collaboration. Collaboration is such a key thing. And, and in, in the UK, with my farming background, I've always um, been, been slightly concerned that, uh, that farmers aren't that, that good at uh, collaboration. 
if you compare it to say, dare I mention the, 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 the French and the French co cooperative system. Um, Jack, did this collaboration element with, uh, with New Zealand, were, were you, like Chris, were you pleasantly surprised how welcomed, welcomed you were by the, by the New Zealand um, uh, end, but politically and, um, and, and the grower side of things? Yeah, I think Max, interestingly, there was a sort of reciprocal element here because um, it was mentioned a couple of times the, the way that the UK ended its trading relationship with New Zealand when it joined the EU is still, you know, sits in, in, in the psyche of some New Zealanders. Does it? Uh, and the impact that that had on their industry, not just fresh produce industry, but their milk industry um, uh, and uh, their sheep industry, yeah. you know, it had a very, very severe impact. You know, suddenly a big traditional market was lost. And you know, that was one of the catalysts for them completely reforming the way they, they saw their industry and where they saw their markets. And it was really interesting to hear how they had responded to that situation. And interestingly, they were quite interested in saying, well, now Brexit's come, you're in slightly the same situation that um, you have cut yourself off from the European market. Um, where are you going to go in the future and how are you going to co uh, manage? Um, and so, you know, there are some a few parallels, you know, we're both now out um, seeking to become, let's say, global global powers in the food industry. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, we're ever going to compete with America or some of the other parts of the country, but there are some real similarities in the terms of, you know, our, um, our excellence in the production of fresh produce. And it was particularly interesting to see how they had that turned that to their commercial advantage. Yeah, and th these legacy elements are, I, I, I find fascinating. And having been through the likes of South Africa, one thing I kept on coming uh, across in South Africa is that a number of the growers and the marketeers are, are worried about the perception globally of of the previous apartheid regime. But you, you ask anyone in, in the UK, they can't even remember what apartheid was. And I, I would say to them, don't worry about it. No one re re remembers. Jack, did you find the same thing within New Zealand that they've they've got over that baggage of how of how we perhaps treated them in the past, and and hence why you were so welcomed. Yeah, I think what they've seen is that actually it's forced them to look for alternative markets. Yeah. And what they have concluded is there are a lot better places to sell fresh produce than trying to sell it in the UK and Europe. That the markets that they found in South Asia and China have been particularly um, lucrative. And when you look at sections of their industry, you can just see how well they've been able to do and how well they've been able to reinvest back into their industry and perpetuate their their development. Excellent, and we'll, we'll come on to um, how that came about a, a little bit later. Um, um, Ali, when you when you landed there, did you just get in, a, in an Uber with all, all of you and just uh, merrily drive around? How was it bossed? How, how was it orchestrated? How was the trip the trip um, planned out? Where where did you go? Who did you see, please, Ali? Um, no, nothing. Um, completely the opposite, actually, Max. Um, we were very lucky. Um, as uh, Jack alluded to at the start, um, the Foreign Office, um, I had worked really hard with um, the team out in New Zealand and uh, we were put into a minibus and we were driven um, around uh, North and South Island um, wow. by um, the lovely Simon Bull, um, who is um, based out in New Zealand working on behalf of the British Foreign Office. So um, we were um, treated incredibly well, welcomed with open arms, um, and we had a full schedule of visits. Um, quite close, a couple of us are Nuffield Scholars. It did feel a bit like a Nuffield Scholarship, Excellent. Um, where there was no room to breathe and a really full schedule. 
yeah. um, at every end of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and everything in between. Um, so really absolutely no time wasted. And I'm very pleased to say that um, for the sectors that I represent, um, Apples and Hops, we managed to get in and see pretty much all the businesses that I would have liked to see. So yeah, it was um, an excellent trip. Uh, Ali, th thank you. Um, Chris, I, I'm guessing it wasn't like a, a North Korean journalistic trip where you had a minder on your shoulder and you couldn't take pictures of, of certain things. I presume, although it was an orchestrated trip, you had freedom within within that trip when you were with the growers or, or the representatives. You could ask what you what you wanted to ask to find out what you wanted to find out, Chris. Correct? Absolutely. Well, that's absolutely correct, Max. I think we all know from New Zealanders that New Zealanders, they're great because they tell you the truth and uh, they really were upfront with everything. So we actually progressed around uh, sort of New Zealand plant and food research. We went to various uh, growers. So as I talked about, Apple, um, we looked at hops, as uh, Ali said. We also went to a glasshouse grower, which pleased me. It was good to get a glasshouse in there somewhere and Excellent. look look at herbs as well so uh, that was really 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 lovely to do i think you talked about how we were guided i think that's the choice of words we should use here that we were guided around in terms of a very light hand yeah. uh, from our minders uh, we didn't really have any minders we just had the lovely uh, simon said lovely simon and lucy who, who acted uh, on our behalves at all times and just made sure that we were having the time that we wanted to speak to the people have a quality conversation I think that's the key here. And we had many a quality conversation with uh, many different individuals. So. Excellent. So here, here come the questions. Um, uh, an MD who wishes to remain uh, anonymous in the, in the sector. How, how much more sophisticated is New Zealand horticulture in comparison to UK horticulture? Go on, Ali, let's give you, give you that, that, uh, that hot potato. No, it's a really good question. Um, and I would say the actual growing businesses themselves are very similar to our growing businesses here. Um, but what is so much more sophisticated, for me, there are two things. The first is the relationship with government, um, who really believe in their primary industries, oh, okay. completely have the back of the sector. So that's the first area where it is just so much more sophisticated. And I think the second area is on the representation for the industry. Um, there is one organisation. If you want to go and understand about New Zealand horticulture, you go to NZ Hort. Here, um, which is reflective of the three faces that you have on screen, um, actually there's only a number of people to come and learn about UK horticulture because we have so many representative bodies, often giving different, slightly confusing messages, I think, to government. Um, and for me, the one area um, where we're far less sophisticated is in the way that we um, we line up as an industry and that we are represented and we promote ourselves. It's very fragmented here in the UK yeah. um, with and, and we break it down unnecessarily so, in my opinion, um, but it makes our um, promotion of the industry um, and our, our um, appeals for the appropriate investment funding for the sector, the appropriate export funding, um, actually means that we're very disparate and fragmented in those asks, both to government and indeed to export markets. We don't look very joined up. What New Zealand are brilliant at is one brand, and that is New Zealand NZ Hort. Um, I wish we could achieve the same here. There's a, there's a couple couple of points on, on that side. If you just look at what's happening in the short term in the United States, the two big um, fresh produce organisations there, the PMA, Produce Marketing Association, I think on my backdrop, and United Fresh, 
uh, mainly through financial uh, uh, issues uh, that they're coming as one as of um, the, the, the 1st of January. Um, and actually within the state, they're very happy because they had two organizations um, singing the same thing and trying to be in the same same figurative trough um, um, membership um, wise. Um, and you look at, well, let's throw it back to Jack. Jack, it's, it's a difficult question for, for you to, to do, do, do you think we are fragmented? Do you think we need to get to uh, one or, or a smaller number of trade bodies to represent the sector as a whole within the UK and New Zealand? Yeah, I think that's one of the recommendations that came out of our report is that we need a sort of unifying vision. I think, you know, the other thing that struck me was, um, you know, they do work together in a very joined up kind of way. Um, and the whole thing is is kind of well organized in a way that I don't think we are here in the UK. We've got a number of different organizations um, and I don't think we have the impact with government or we haven't had the impact with government. We certainly didn't have the impact with the EU when we were part of the EU um, that we could have. And I think one of the recommendations and sits at the heart of the report is, you know, how do we work more effectively together? How do we have, how do we try and coalesce around a common vision yeah. that works for horticulture, that sells horticulture to the government as, you know, a real positive. It's not a negative. You know, there are so many positive aspects for um, UK horticulture. You know, how do we engage government to make sure that we realise the opportunities that lie ahead? Because undoubtedly there are opportunities, but you can see, you know, from the you know, the press at the moment, we're kind of constantly dragged back by, you know, operational issues. Whereas, you know, what we really need to be doing is looking at the opportunities for the future and asking how best we grasp those opportunities. And I have to say, New Zealand is very much better at doing that than we are. And I, I always come back to the Dutch Diamond. Um, uh, those that attended the, the the last City Food lecture in person, person, I've forgotten her name. There's an amazing lady from um, from Holland, and she majored on this uh, this Dutch Diamond. And I think Jack, you and I've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. Where in in Holland they have government, industry, and education, and they they form it as a, as a as a diamond. So each is each area sector is relying on on each other to create this uh, virtuous circle of, of information, communication, and, and in some respects, um, power. And it, and it sounds, um, Ali, when, when you were just describing the the, the, the context, the, the, the foundation, the setup within New Zealand, it, it sounds like they've got a, a similar system. They just call it um, a, a different thing. Chris, how, how achievable do you think it is, if, if that's a learning from this report, is it to set up a, a structure similar to New Zealand on that trade basis to really promote UK horticulture within country and also externally. Chris, how, how likely do you think that is? I think just to just to pick it up quickly, Max first, is I just wanted to say how joined up it was. Because it just it's just it's nice to take an example of that. As, as we were landing in New Zealand, a, a government broadcast came up on our screens within the aeroplane, pointing out that we shouldn't bring anything nasty into the country that would that would harm their biosecurity or their horticulture. So horticulture was hitting us as we landed literally wow. within the aeroplanes. Mm -hmm. That thread of the government's involvement within the horticultural industry runs throughout various strands, be it biosecurity, be it training development and careers advice, be it other, other areas as well. We talked about R&D. You ask how possible it is. I, I would say it's eminently possible. I think in New Zealand, they had a number of organisations that had to come together. And when you think that Hort NZ has 21 trade bodies now that sit yeah. under its umbrella that's quite a quite a, a feat to bring all those different trade bodies literally under one umbrella yeah 
And I, I, get, I get, Chris, Chris, I go back to my, my example again of um, South Africa. South Africa has the um, FSA Fruit South Africa, and there's got 122 trade bodies un underneath that. But they, uh, but it's the FSA, FSA who who boss who who promote um, South, South Africa on on that basis. So again, there's there's another example out there that can be can be done. So, so Jack, if I'm going to give if I was going to give you the proverbial magic wand on the back of the of the report, um, what what would you like it? What would you like to do now? To, to create uh, further success from the trade delegation, please? Well, I think it's all around trying to get this shared vision for the industry um, and get achieve this partnership with government. Um, because undoubtedly, you know, there are certain things that government needs to do in order to um, make some of this happen. We've got an agriculture bill, which gives the government a certain amount of flexibility and the opportunity to, to do stuff. And just, it seems to me that we're just mired in issues at the moment. It's really, really proving difficult to get government time to focus on our industry. Um, there were some really interesting and encouraging comments in the National Food Strategy about um, promoting our industry and you know increasing the production and the consumption of fresh fruit and vegetables. And you know there is so much that we could be doing. We're not looking for vast amounts of money from the government. We're not looking for subsidies. We don't need any of that. There are just some areas where some pump priming would make a huge amount of difference. But um, and so for me, it's very much about this vision. And, you know, I think in, in general, the organizations that work with across the fresh produce sector do talk to each other. Um, we talk to the, the NFU on a weekly basis. Um, you know, and I think we share many similarities and, uh, you know, many respects, it sort of doubles the voice that goes into government. So I don't think there's any problem with us working together. I think the big issue at the moment is getting government airtime and ministerial attention. Um, and Ali, on, on that side, on the, on the basis that DEFRA was so hugely involved with this delegation, presumably they, they are waiting to go through your report page by page and, and to get to the last page of the recommendations and to hear... Um, hopefully the lights of this broadcast, surely you're all pushing against an open door in, in government um, on the basis that you can collectively create this success that, that DEFRA, DEFRA want to create. Ali? Um, I, I completely agree with what Jack has just said, but I would say that what we also need is a real commitment from government. Um, it's not just about the industry having a shared vision. I, actually, I think we're we're a really highly productive, highly invested, very entrepreneurial sector. Um, but Jack's right, we are mired. And it feels at the moment that we're mired in things which um, the government can fix. Um, we're mired in access to labour policy. We're mired in um, you know, the future of AHDB and our R&D. These are all sitting with government, these, these issues. Um, there's a whole issue around R&D and investment into the long term. And if I may, I would say, I would go as far as saying that for many growers, it often feels in the UK as if this is a sector that is dismissed. Um, and actually, um, I've unfortunately had too many instances where I've heard officials and ministers say, well, you're dispensable. Mm. We don't really need, we don't need to grow food here. Oh we can God. import it. We can import it. And until we make that cultural change in government where there's a proper commitment to the production of fresh fruit and vegetables and plants and flowers in the UK, then for all the shared vision that we might have, for all the entrepreneurialism, for all the business investment, 
um, it feels that we're trying to take the sector forward with our hands tied behind yeah. our back. Yeah. So I think that government commitment, and we saw that in New Zealand, we saw a government that was committed to its primary industries and committed to trying to make sure that it supported that sector exporting around the world and the government saw that as a GDP opportunity as a growth in GDP as a good tax take as a good source of revenue for the government I honestly often feels that we are entirely dispensable here in the UK okay and, and as we film this where we're at the beginning of October we're in the middle of the Tory party uh, conference uh, Boris Johnson's is probably speaking now or on about half an hour he, he hasn't told me yet um, but we, we we had him on um, uh, on the mainstream TV over the last couple of days um, just not not taking seriously in my opinion the the issue that's happening in in the, in the lights of the the, the, the pork um, sector but what, what's so annoying is that um, we've had other other people on with uh, with Jack Tim O'Malley um, nationwide produce 150 million pound turnover business when the zeitgeist at the moment we really need to use this opportunity to really spring forward um, UK uh, fresh produce there's a saying that um, I've, I've used people talking about South Africa where they, they've learned um, that ne never waste a crisis and, and the crisis of the of the pandemic we, we can use this opportunity to really um, propel UK horticulture to the level of New Zealand horticulture but if if, if, if the big blocker is, is, is government we've just got to keep pushing them and keep um, lobbying them Chris, what do you think, from, from your perspective and, and um, your background with the RHA, what can we do to, to persuade, to, to leave a government, to, to recognise what can be done in comparison to the, the success within, within New Zealand? Chris, what can we do? Well, I, I think the fact that we've been to New Zealand and the government were with us, they, the government have seen the opportunities. If I can just use one example, the recognised seasonal employer scheme in, in New Zealand, which was born out of crisis, I think, in terms of the New Zealand industry requiring labour. As we are sitting here, as we know, the similar situation that's impacting on the UK. And New Zealand looked at it, and, and I think the government, together with the industry, came up with an innovation to, to use the Pacific Islanders to, uh, to bring this labour in on a controlled basis to help harvest the crops, help service the industry. And, and the scheme has grown and grown and grown up to where it is now, I think 14,500 people are coming in from those, those specific islands. But I think the wonderful thing about that is this, and the reason I use this as an example, and, and what government saw out there with us was the fact that this scheme has given us a win-win, that the Pacific Islands has taken come back to the Pacific Islands. Uh, dramatic figures, I think, uh, just to sort of quote one figure, I think it was uh, 140 million went back to one of the islands alone in terms of earnings wow. from the mm. islands over the years. And, and the fact that these islanders were coming back year after year after year, and some had done 14 seasons, but the industry was winning, the Pacific Islanders were winning, the government was winning because they were, they were, it was all under control and it was all very much about putting wealth back into these Pacific Islands. I think if we can find innovations and go with government having been with us in New Zealand and seeing those innovations uh, firsthand, you hope that that will find its way and percolate its way through to the, the upper levels of government that they equally uh, seek those innovations as well. Chris, th thank you. So, so every, everyone, it feels like there's a, a bit of a frustration in the in the short term because of the the, the scenario that, that we're going, but we've potentially got the answer um, from from the trade de delegation uh, that that you that the answers that you saw in in New Zealand. Jack, is, is that is that a fair summary, or, or am I just being a bit emotional on your on your behalf as to the current situation? 
No, I think when you look through the recommendations, um, and there are 20 odd recommendations, um, you know, we put our heads together. We had the opportunity to go and look at what was happening in New Zealand. I think it's fair to say we've got a pretty good understanding of what's happening in the UK. Um, and those 20 recommendations, I think, provide a really good pointer as to a future direction for the industry. And I have spoken to DEFRA. You know, they are wading their way through the report, but, you know, they're slightly overwhelmed by the issue in the pig sector and the poultry sector, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this is our biggest challenge at the moment is just trying to get some time with them to say, OK, these are the findings. This is what we saw. This is what we think could really work. This is how we could drive the industry forward. How are we going to make it work over the next sort of five to 10 years? Yeah, well, well said. So, so there's, it's definitely been an eye opener for all of you in the respect of the, the trade delegation to, to New Zealand. Um, so if we could just break it down a, a little bit, what would you like um, individuals within the sector to do? Would you like them to engage? Would you, you like them to read that report, look at the 20 recommendations and then to join you to then uh, lobby, uh, lobby, lobby, lobby government? Um, Ali, what do you think, please? I think there's two areas, um, Max. Um, for me, the first is that I, I do think we should take export as a sector much more seriously. We're very reliant on our home market, which is amazing. It's fantastic. We're so lucky to have 68 million consumers on our small island. But it, we do have incredibly sophisticated retailers who drive a very hard bargain. And if I hear a criticism constantly from the sector, it's very low margins um, and the difficulty with returns. If we took export seriously, we could create other markets for ourselves. We could create more choice for our businesses. So that's the first area. That means we've got to come together and work together. There's, there's little point in us each individually, each small business going off trying to do that. It works much better if yeah, we come so. together and do it as a sector. And then I think the second area um, uh, is actually we need retailers to step up in the UK and I'm really talk about the importance of our food supply chains here, based here in the UK, the low carbon footprint production that we have here in the UK. What do I mean that we need retailers to step up? We have just the most unrelenting price war going on in UK retail. It's driving immense pressure back down the supply chain. And we're at a moment in time now where there just is not enough labor, either seasonal or permanent. And our food supply chain in the UK is, is suddenly, for the first time in my career, looking really shaky. So I think we need retailers to step up and talk to government about how important the decisions that government take in the next few months are. Because at the moment, it feels like the government isn't listening. And I don't think they listen to us, but they might listen to the retailers. Ooh, well, well said. Chris, same question of, of yourself. What do you think the sector can do to help you on the back of the trade delegation to New Zealand, please? Um, I think I think the sector in my area, because obviously I went to look at training, development, uh, education, the careers, that kind of area. And I think already we're starting to see those green shoots developing with the new Institute for Agriculture and Horticulture. That obviously has government backing. Uh, it is coming together of a number of different organizations that are coming together to try and form a new, a new organization that will promote horticulture as a career out there to across the whole industry. So it kind of, it's a little beacon, I think, a little green shoot that's uh, showing up because the, when, I, when we went to New Zealand, that was one area that I think the UK was probably ahead of perhaps the, uh, of New Zealand because 
Milan were only just starting to get to grips with how they were promoting their industry, that they had the same issues, that people weren't taking a career in the industry, that the whole perception of the industry was seen by the public and museum as not a worthwhile career. So I think for me, uh, the fact that we're seeing this new organisation is, is, a, is a green shoot for me and it is a way forward. And we can, I guess it highlights the fact that people will come together under the right banner to, to produce something that's quite meaningful in terms of a way forward. Uh, Chris, what, what on a broadcast we did last night with Women of Food and Farming, uh, we had uh, uh, the great Kirsty Barden, who's uh, one, one of the key people within MDS, um, MDS Management Development Services. Uh, they, they find the cream of the of the proverbial crop um, from uh, graduate uh, out, outtake, intake, outtake, um, and put them in a, on a two-year training program. And they've said that they've um, seen a, a huge spike of people coming in to MDS who traditionally wouldn't come to them because these um, younger individuals want to come into farming and horticulture because they want to do good rather than, no offence to Goldman Sachs, uh, be, be associated with a with a monosyllabic uh, corporate beast like that. They actually want to do good for the environment and they see that being involved with uh, farming and horticulture is, uh, is the way to go. Um, Jack, uh, same question for, for you. What would you like to see collaboration-wise from, from the sector to, to, to assist all of you uh, ha having attended the trade delegation, please? Yeah, I think it would be really useful if people would have a look at the report, even if they just go to the recommendations stage uh, section and give us some feedback. I think that's what, you know, one of the, um, the big issues for me is actually, you know, finding time to engage with the industry on a one-to-one -one basis, you know, to make sure that what we're saying is fully reflective of, of what they're thinking and what they're looking for. I mean, as I say, I mean, we've all been doing this job for a considerable amount of time. We've got a lot of experience and dare I say a fair degree of expertise in understanding the industry. But, you know, there's no substitute for people actually saying, yeah, I think you've absolutely nailed it here. Um, and, you know, I think your recommendations are absolutely right. And yes, you know, you should be going to government and you can go to government with the support of our sector saying this is the right thing. So yeah. you know, for me, it's, you know, let's get some reaction. Let's get some feedback. Tell us what you think. Um, and, you know, let's just kind of try and build this momentum um, to get some change. Jack, well, well done. and Ali, it sounds like you have all collectively got the answers um, even before you went out to, to New Zealand and, and the, the, the trip out there has just cemented your thoughts and, and, and tweaked it. And, and now you just need that adoption of, um, of UK government as the, the, the government in New Zealand has adopted the sector and we can talk about other countries um, likewise. So it just feels, Ali, like we've got that roadblock to get through, that we need to have strong lobbying from the sector as a whole to show the government what needs to be done and to present the examples of, 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 New, of New Zealand. Ali, am I right? I think you are, Max. And I think one of the um, clear areas that we came back with as a recommendation was that because New Zealand um, is producing in the six months where we're not and vice versa, there's actually a counter cyclical um, opportunity for both countries actually to be working together. We're both small, we're, we're both um, in production terms, um, although we're producing different crops, broadly producing about the same value. We're primarily feeding our consumers at home where New Zealand is exporting, but there would be an opportunity for us to export together around the world and yeah. pro provide that 365 day supply on the crops that we're both growing. Apples and pears is a really good example. Um, there's not much opportunity from a UK grower perspective for a free trade agreement with New Zealand because their market's so small. 
But the opportunity that I see as an opportunity to work with New Zealand, there's so much that we could learn from them in marketing and export terms. And actually, we have a lot to bring to the party in terms of not only a large home market, but actually where they're good at research, we complement. Um, again, in my world, um, New Zealand is brilliant at apple and pear variety research. Thanks. The UK is brilliant at rootstock research. If we put those two together in a in a coordinated and strategic way and there'd be lots of other examples um i think we could be together the two countries could be a real powerhouse now i don't know whether that is a message that our government is interested in but i think that's a really exciting opportunity for uk producers but it does it comes back to it, it does need some government understanding but government commitment and that is what feels like it's lacking Ali, well said. Uh, Chris, it feels, feels uh, this, this, this collaboration word, I'm just going to put a word in Ali's mouth, to have that, uh, uh, that, 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 that marriage uh, between that element of uh, fruit growing and fruit, fruit varieties would, would be fascinating. Uh, Chris, you look at how good we are at exporting Rolls-Royce cars, you look at how good we are at exporting trip-tree jams, if I could say, say the lo lovely, uh, lovely word, to the lights of, uh, of China. Uh, we're already picking up examples of um, some soft fruits and some uh, fruits being exported to the likes of New York um, under the under the British banner. Um, Chris, surely there's, there's even more that we can do to promote uh, uh, fresh produce, horticultural produce with, with the British banner on. What do you think? No, I, yeah, absolutely. I think we, we, we tend to hide ourselves under a bushel sometimes, don't we, in terms of what we, we actually achieve. And I, I just want to pick up on the partnerships that we saw between government, between research and between the growers. And I think that's one of the key areas that we noted was how they're, they're creating their new markets now uh, that's going to be their latest exports uh, to the Far East and to the, uh, to the Europe. And they were doing this through their R&D. And I think we were blown away by the way that government was involved in that. We were blown away by the fact that growers were involved in that. And what was coming out of it was effectively probably five years, maybe even 10 years ahead, but it will be their forefront of their exports that's going to continue to drive this wonderful export business that the New Zealanders have put together. So. I think for me, that partnership, uh, Ali used collaboration partnership, but we saw that partnership as a theme that just ran through all these different layers of the industry. And I think that's something, if we could take, if I could take one thing away and get people to really buy into it, be that partnership and get government to really partner with us, but, all this, but partner right away through the supply chain. Excellent. Uh, Chris, we've lost your screen, but we can, well, we can hear you. We heard all of that and, uh, and, and thank you. And, and so, everyone, just just before we we wrap up, the the, the obvious question: Where can we get hold of the um, the report, please, Jack? Yep, um, it should be on the British Growers website. That's www.britishgrowers.org, and um, uh, it should have been published there this morning. So, hopefully, if you um, head that way, you will find a copy. Excellent. Okay, so to, just to summarise, everyone from from this obviously very enjoyable, very informative, very collaborative trade delegation, uh, what, what would you like to see come out of it two, three years um, down the line? Ali, what do you want to see come out of this trade delegation um, in, uh, in the short to medium term, please? Um, I love New Zealand. I love the people. I love the country. I love the culture. I'd like to see um, the UK fresh produce industry have the same ambition, the same drive, the same determination um, to work with government to deliver what could be a much bigger, much more important, um, thriving 
fresh produce industry here in the UK. And if we were able to do some of that in collaboration or partnership with New Zealand, then I think that would be a very exciting place to be. And, and Jack, none of this is impossible, is it? This just, just no, no. All, all you're asking for, all, all three of you, the, the whole delegation is, is very little. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of positively confused that DEFRA is involved. Um, and, and, but, but then you, you can't get the, the, the message higher up in, in government over, over and above uh, uh, DEFRA. Jack, same question to you. From the, yeah, the, think, the basis but, of the successful trade delegation, what would you like to see come from it two, three years down the line, please? Yeah, very similar to Ali. I think a reassessment of what British horticulture and the fresh produce industry could offer to the country as a whole and society in general. I think there's a big opportunity here. We just need others to recognise and share our thoughts about the scale of this opportunity and the benefits it could bring. Fantastic. Um, and Chris, uh, we, we, we quickly WhatsApp Mark Zuckerberg and he let you back in. So, so I'll just, I just ask, ask you the question, question again, Chris. Well, on the basis of the trade delegation, the successful trip you had out to New Zealand, what would you like to see um, the UK horticultural sector do on the basis of your learnings? How would you like to see the UK horticultural sector benefit two, three years out, please, Chris? Max, I've, I've lost I've lost all sound from you, so I can't hear the question. My apologies. I don't know if you can hear me. So I, for some reason, I can't hear you. So. What would you like to see the, the trip achieve? OK, I think I think you said, yeah, what would I like to see in the short term? I, I, I'd really like to see um, personally, I'd like to see, see these partnerships come together with uh, all of the organisations within the UK, some of which are sitting with us today. Uh, come together and start to get behind, I guess, Hort UK. I guess that's probably my, I would leave it with, um, I would love to see a Hort UK starting to develop. Uh, we have TIA, we have other other opportunities, but I guess if we could start that, uh, that process uh, and be there in two years, that would be a fantastic result for me. Chris, thank you. Um, Jack, we, we, we must just thank the people that uh, organised the, the trade delegation because it's such a unique thing. And it, it would, uh, as Ali said at the, at the beginning, it would be fascinating uh, when, when, when you can to do another trade delegation to the likes of, say, say China or, or South America to, to continue these learnings. Jack, who would you like to thank for setting up the trade delegation in the first place, please? Well, certainly a thanks to DEFRA and the staff in DEFRA. Um, and there were several staff that were instrumental in getting this going. Um, we've mentioned Simon Ball, who's part of the Foreign Office based out in New Zealand. He was absolutely tremendous in terms of making all the contacts um, when we were there. Um, to Hort New Zealand and the team out there, because they were terrifically supportive, very understanding, very, very free with the information and the help they were able to give us. Um, and to all of the people that we went to visit, you know, thank you very much. Um, you know, we've come back inspired by what we've seen out there. And I think that our challenge now is to try and make that happen or elements of it happen here in the UK. Well done. Um, Ali, just, just wrap up for us. Do you think the future is bright for UK horticulture? I think this is an amazing sector. I've always been incredibly proud to represent the sector. Um, it's forward thinking, it's entrepreneurial, it's unsubsidized, it's business-like, it makes fast, swift decisions. So yes, I think the future should be very bright. Um, I am worried about some of the government policy that feels like it's strangling the sector at the moment. Ali, well done. And, and Chris, if you can hear me, Chris, can you hear me? Excellent. 
And is the future bright? Is the future bright for UK horticulture? Wrap up for us, please, Chris. Yeah, sure. I think the future's always been bright for UK horticulture. I've been doing it since the age of six when child labour was okay. Uh, I'm old enough to remember those days. I, I think it's always been bright. I think we have stuff to change with the times, but I think there's some lovely innovation coming along. We've got some great businesses, really great businesses, and I, I really do see uh, the future as a, a real opportunity for us all. Excellent. So everyone, I'll, I'll tag uh, British Growers and uh, the, the link to, to download the report, especially the recommendations. But as all our three key players have said today, we've got to get behind them to create this, this positive change. It does feel that we're in the zeitgeist, that people want to buy more fresh produce. We've got these barriers initially of, um, let's just call it government speed bumps but i'm sure with the likes of these experts we can punch on through but they all need our collaborative support we all need to support the sector everyone thank you very much for your time and uh, yeah we, we look forward to the uh to, to following you hopefully to the next delegation to uh to, to china or ali where, where, where else should we go should we go somewhere somewhere really really uh different what about the isle of wight i hear the isle of wight's really really nice this summer yeah um, well, if I was thinking about horticulture, I'd love to go to China, I'd love to go to Holland, um, and I think there are parts of South Africa and South America that we should be looking at, so, uh, yeah. Okay, so we've started something here. Jack, where would you like the next delegation to go? Um, I think there are bits of America. I, I'm not that familiar with um, the production systems in America. Um, and you know they are they operate on a scale. Um, I think they've got some interesting things to do. But um, you know, this idea of going out and finding out what other people do and see where they've got good ideas and bringing them back, um, you know, it seems an excellent one to me, and uh, you know, very good way of um, going forward. Excellent. So, so Chris, we've uh, uh, Ali wants to go to China, bits of South Africa. Um, Jack wants to go to Las Vegas. Uh, Chris, where would you like to go for the next trade delegation? I would take Boris around the UK and show him what he's got in his country. So that's what I would do. Boom. And there we go. <laughs> what, what a great, everyone, what a great way to end. Well done, well done, Chris. Well done, Jack. Well done, Ali. Thank you very much for your time. And yeah, please have a look at the, uh, the, the, the report, especially the recommendations. Everyone, thank you very much. Thanks, Max. Thanks Catch up, Charlie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.